This is The Danish Debate, a podcast about Danish society and politics. I'm your host, Peter Stanners. Denmark has moved to the left. With a turnout of 84.6%, the left wing won a large majority in the Danish parliament on Wednesday's general election. The next prime minister is likely to be Meta Frederiksen, leader of the Social Democrats, who, with the support of 91 MPs, holds a two-seat majority. Last Luka Rasmussen, leader of the Liberal Party Venstre, only has the support of 75 MPs and has stepped down as prime minister to allow Frederiksen to try and form a government. But the drama is only just beginning. Forming a government with her three allies on the left wing is going to be a challenge. And just because the right wing lost power, it doesn't mean that they don't see the election as a victory of sorts. I've let the dust settle and absorbed as much news and analysis that I can, and I've whittled it down to five major headlines. I've also posted this episode as an article on the DanishDebate.dk with graphics, so you can also dig a little bit deeper at your own time. Headline one, if you can't beat them, join them. The left wing lost power in 2015 largely because voters wanted tighter immigration and they flocked to the Danish People's Party, the DPP. The party had their best ever result and secured 21.1% of the vote and became the second largest party in parliament. And this gave them a lot of leverage against the minority Venstre government, who used the last four years to pass 114 immigration restrictions. So the DPP, without ever going into government, got exactly what they wanted. To regain power, the Social Democrats decided to adopt a new strategy. A majority of Danes support tight immigration rules, so the party decided to turn away from the humanitarian positions of the past. Instead, they voted in favour of almost every single immigration restriction proposed by the right-wing government and the DPP while they were in opposition. So the idea was to win back voters who had abandoned them for the DPP. You see, most voters move between parties in either the right wing or the left, but DPP and Social Democrat voters are a major group of swing voters. So if the Social Democrats could win back a fair number of them, it could swing the balance of power back to the left. And it largely worked. 10% of DPP voters moved to the Social Democrats in this election, which was enough to swing the balance of power back to the left wing. Headline two, the left is split on immigration and economic policy. Despite winning all of these new voters, the Social Democrats only grew by one seat. And this is because they lost their voters to partners on the left. These partners support Meta Frederiksen and have given her a mandate to form a government, a majority, but there are some major areas of disagreement that will slow the formation of a government. And these partners are in a really strong position. The Socialist People's Party, SF, on the left, doubled their seats to 16. And to the right, the Social Liberal Party, Radikala, also doubled their size to 14 seats. To the far left, the Red-Green Alliance won 13 seats, a loss of just one. All of them are now in a position to make demands on Meta Frederiksen for their support. And the first is to ease policies for immigrants and refugees. The primary demand is to rejoin the UN Refugee Resettlement Programme. Denmark participated in the programme from 1989 to 2017, in which they resettled 500 refugees from camps around the world every single year. But the former right-wing government pulled Denmark out of the programme with the support of the Social Democrats. The Social Democrats are also under pressure to improve conditions for families living in the deportation centre, Shellsmark. The centre houses refugees whose applications have failed, but who are unwilling or unable to return to their home country. Many of the 90 children in the centre were actually born in Denmark. But the conditions are deliberately grim, and residents are not allowed to cook their own food or even have refrigerators. Psychologists have warned that the children risk being permanently traumatised. The problem for the Social Democrats is that easing immigration will give the DPP ammunition 
and they'll argue that only the right wing can be trusted to maintain tight immigration policies. The Radicala also wants to ease immigration for economic reasons. Unemployment is incredibly low, and economic growth is threatened by a shrinking labour market. Foreign labour is the easiest solution, but strict rules make it really difficult to hire foreigners. Easing these rules, like lowering the minimum salary a foreign worker must earn, can help. But again, easing these rules will put the Social Democrats under threat from the right. The Radicala are also a fiscally conservative party and they love the books to be balanced. So they're opposed to raising taxes or increasing public borrowing to pay for welfare investment, which brings them into conflict with their partners on the left. All parties on the left want to increase investment in education and staffing in public daycares. But SF and Inhas listen want to find the money by increasing taxes. Instead, the Radicala wants to find the money from reforms that would get more unemployed, immigrants and refugees into work. This is why they also oppose Meta Fredrickson's promise to make it easier for worn-out workers to retire early. The plan is pretty vague, but the basic idea is workers with 40 years in the labour market should be allowed to retire before the retirement age, which ranges from 65 to 72. But the Social Democrats haven't specified how they're going to choose who's eligible, and the policy would also worsen the labour market shortage and negatively impact growth. As of Sunday, negotiations are well underway, but there's been no major breakthroughs. Headline 3. The Danish People's Party were decimated. Four years ago, the DPP secured 21.1% of the vote. On Wednesday, they managed a mere 8.7%. 10% of their voters moved across to the left wing to the Social Democrats, quarter moved to Venstre, the Liberal Party, in the centre, and 15% moved to the right, to the New Conservatives and Hardline. Among the explanations that have been given is that voters were disappointed that the party did not enter into a coalition government in 2015 after their massive victory. Instead, the leader, Christian Toulouse-Dale, decided to continue their historic strategy of supporting right-wing governments in exchange for concessions on immigration, but without actually entering the government at all. But now that both the Social Democrats and Venstre have embraced these immigration policies, DF has basically been neutralised, and voters who don't think that uh, DF is hard enough on immigrants can now choose the more extreme parties on the right, Stram Kors, Hardline, and New Borley, the New Conservatives. So DF's future is pretty shaky. Headline 4. The right wing lost, but stand kind of strengthened. Last look of Rasmussen may have lost power, but his party, Venstra, still went ahead 3.9 percentage points to get 23.4%. And the Conservative Party also had a great election, increasing their share, doubling their share from 32 to 6.6% of the vote. Some have argued that uh, the success of the Conservatives is linked to their choice of ministers in the coalition government that they were in with Venstra and Liberal Alliance. The leader, Søren Paper Paulson, he became Justice Minister, while MP Rasmus Jarlow became Minister of Industry and Business and Mai Mercado for Children and Social Affairs. So they chose law and order, money and family. These are all key areas for the Conservatives. The same argument has been given for the decline of Liberal Alliance. The junior partner sank from 7.5% of the vote to just 2.3% of the vote in this election, barely over the 2% threshold. They're a libertarian party and their choice of ministers must have disappointed their voters. Leader Anna Samuelson, he became foreign minister and they also took the transport and housing ministry and ministry for the elderly. And it was the last one, the appointment of Tura Frank 
as elderly minister, which was especially unusual because she wasn't even an MP. She lost her seat in 2015. It's doubly interesting because commentators point out that this was a huge opportunity for LA to position itself as the only true liberal party. Venstra had actually moved really close to the middle during the campaign and had pretty much ruled out more tax cuts, but they were unable to capitalise on the situation. And maybe it's because the leader, Anna Samuelson, was away so for such long periods of time as foreign minister. Either way, he was one of the nine MPs to lose their seat and he's had to step down as leader. The new leader is 27-year-old Alex Van Upslag. Headline 5. A record number of votes were lost. To earn a seat in Parliament, parties need to win 2% of the vote. Of the parties vying to enter Parliament, only one succeeded. The New Conservatives, New Borley, votes for Hardline, the Stramkurs, the Christians People's Party and the Klaus Rieskier Party were all lost. And that's 154,000 votes. All these parties are on the right which helped the left increase their majority. The New Borley are an anti-immigration and libertarian party, which is slightly a new combination, and they're expected to take on the protest party role in Parliament, much like the DPP did in the early years. Stramkurs were really close and won 1.8% of the vote. Leader Rasmus Paladin has been convicted of racism and wants to deport all Muslims from Denmark. He didn't earn a seat in Parliament, to the relief of many, not least in Denmark's minority communities, but the result has earned him party funding to the tune of 1.5 million kroner a year, so it won't be the last we've heard from him. So what's next? The negotiations are going to take a few weeks, and in the meantime, there's going to be plenty of politics to discuss. How is the left going to align on immigration, and how are they going to raise money for their policies, and are voters even prepared to pay to realise their green ambitions? This weekend, I head to the political festival Volkermurs in Bornholm to talk to as many politicians, experts, and ordinary people as I can. The Danish Debate is a new podcast about Danish society and politics. It's produced by Mother Tongue Media, a home for English-language podcasts in Denmark. Remember, we've also got a fantastic new podcast about arts, culture and ideas in Denmark. It's called Archipelago and it's hosted by James Clasper, an English journalist based here in Copenhagen who's written for heavyweights such as the New York Times, The Guardian and the Financial Times too. Go check it out. It's really great. James and I believe there's a space for high-quality English-language journalism and storytelling here in Denmark, especially in podcasting. And that's what we're trying to do here with the Danish debate in Archipelago. Please visit mothertongue.dk to find out more. In fact, if you like this episode, please take a minute to review us on Apple Podcasts or mention it on Twitter, tagging the Danish debate or Archipelago. Reviews and shares on social media will really help more people find us. And uh, that's what it's all about. This episode was written, edited and produced by me, Peter Stanners, and published by Mother Tongue Media. See you next time.